Today's scripture reading will be coming from Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. But to each one of you, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives, and he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until they have reached unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and became mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Then Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitfulness scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love and the growth and becoming every respect of the mature body of him who is head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Good morning. Y'all ready for lunch? Let's go ahead. Oh, no. In a few minutes, we'll be there soon. It is good to see everybody. Even though it's getting cold, we can all sit closer together and keep warm. All right? Before we uh, get into our lesson this morning, let's have our prayer together, please. Our Father and our God, you are the one who has given us life, breath, that you've put us into this world and made us yours through your Son, to be able to call you Father, to look to you for all that we need. is beyond amazement. When we look around, Father, at each other, we realize that you've blessed us with the family where we all belong, where we all are loved. Help us, Father, to grow closer together as brothers and sisters. Help us to look to you and trust you more for all that we need in this world. To live today in a way that will glorify and honor you. In a way that reflects that we have become your children through your Son. Father, we look forward to that day that we'll all be home. May that day be soon, but as we wait, Father, give us the hope and joy that you've blessed us with 
through Jesus. It's through him that we pray. Amen. Every once in a while, across the news, well, that's smaller than I thought. Y'all see that all right? It's a car wreck. 43-year-old woman who was just nearby got caught up in it and was underneath that van that that group of people was picking up. And they were able to get her out and save her. Here, I can't see it back there. That one's dark. I can't remember if this one's New York, but here we have uh, a young woman in her 20s that got caught up underneath the vehicle. And the people standing by came and, and picked her, got her out from underneath. Motorcyclist was hit by this vehicle. And you see his, his cycle caught fire and folks gathered up. Now, on this video, if you've ever seen it, a few people started and couldn't get the car lifted. And then all of a sudden, more people showed up and picked that up and were able to pull him out and get him to safety. Here we had two women trapped underneath that vehicle that had run up on the sidewalk. And bystanders came and pulled her out. Here a motorcycle with a driver and a passenger was hit from behind by this vehicle. The passenger was pushed over and, and out of the way over the driver, but the driver was caught up underneath the vehicle. And, and folks in the neighborhood there gathered up and got him out. And the thing about this is I, I know there are other stories that are similar, but you, you, these came from Indianapolis, Washington, D.C., Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, uh, Utah, uh, I'm missing one, New York City. And in all of these instances, no matter where they were, wherever this accident happened, when somebody was in need, you, you saw people that had no idea who they were. People, even with the one with the fire, who came up at risk of their own injury to save somebody else. But the only way they were able to do it is because they did it as a group. I can't pick up a car. But if you gather up enough of us, I could be part of a group that could get a car lifted up and moved out of the way. I believe the one with the, the van, in fact, they had picked up the back of the van and put it on top of another vehicle so they could get the, the woman out from underneath. They picked up the back of the van and put it over on another vehicle. The thing is, is when we look around us in this world, amazing thing happens when a group of people work together to accomplish the same goal. And it's not just in the sense of saving people, but in, in, in activities, in business, in churches, in schools, in, in our world around us. When people get together and they are joined together as one, amazing things can happen. And the thing is, is in that, that principle applies not just to, to out there, it applies to us as well. That when we all work together, amazing things can happen. Because that's what God intended. He intended for us to be a group that works together to accomplish what He wants to have happen in this world. And when we realize that we can't, just one of us, we can do a little bit. But together, together we can do tremendous things. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, as he describes it, he says, Just as each has each of us has with... Okay, let me back up. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. And when, you, when you get that picture, he's reminding us, our endeavor in faith, who we are in Christ, 
we are not just a group of individuals that happens to disperse and we stay individuals. That in Christ, we've been joined together into one body and together he has put us into this body and that we belong to each other and together we accomplish things that we could not do by ourselves. First Corinthians chapter 12 says there are different kinds of gifts. The same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. See, all together, all together, we have, we, we, together we accomplish things in each other's lives and in together as a group that, that are tremendous and can be amazing as we look at what God has in mind for us. And the thing about that is that we see that when God has things going the way he wants them to go, when we become, when we give ourselves to each other and we live and, and contribute to each other, amazing things can happen. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16, the, the scripture reading that we had, when he talks about it, he's given apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. To equip his people, in other words... We have to realize this is for all of us, that all of us together, when we're equipped, that then the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is, it, who is the head that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I know there was a lot of verses in there, but you catch all the things that happens. When, when all of us are equipped, when all of us are serving, when all of us have our place and we're taking part, that together we accomplish things, that we become mature, that together we build each other up, that together that we're able to, to grow and become more and more who God wants us to be. Together, this is what happens. Together. Not just one of us. So... The question becomes, when we look, now when we think about church and the things that go on, sometimes it's easy for us to think about a building. I mean, it's just common in English for us to say, we're going to church, right? Any of y'all say that today? We're going to church. And so we think about a place that we're going, but we all know, we realize that church isn't a place. And in fact, this building could disappear today. Become just a hole in the ground with the basement left, with not even there anymore, just a hole in the ground. And that would not mean that this church has ceased to exist. Because the church isn't the building, the church is the people, us. And because this is who we are when we look at that, that idea of all of us working together, that we could still, no matter what went on without this building, we could still be and do who God wants, to, wants us to be in this world, what God wants us to do in this world. We're not dependent on the building. We're, we're dependent on God, and we're dependent on who we are in Christ for each other. The, the question that I had in all of this, and when we think about amazing things, is to ask the question is, do we see, do we see amazing things happen? Is that what ha goes on? Now, in, in general, I think there's one big hindrance to, to having amazing things happen in churches. Do you know what gets in the way of amazing things? Preachers, deacons, elders, not intentionally most of the time, 
But the problem is, is that we look at the idea of who does the work of the church? Who does the work of the church? And it's easy for us to give the answer. Well, preachers do. Or if we were questioning a little deeper, so, well, the deacons take care of this and this. And the elders, they take care of this and this. And so we make our list of, of these folks take care of those things. But the, I think we miss what can be when we put our focus on preachers, deacons, and elders without realizing what, what preachers, deacons, and elders are really all about. So let's, let's explore that a little bit. So when we look at that idea of preachers, deacons, and elders, we have to realize what is the purpose of each one as we, as we go along in that. And so as we look at that, I think what we boil down to is that, pre- that preachers, deacons, and elders serve the body to help everyone grow and help everyone serve. But, in, but they're in, in their own way and in their own part. So when you think about preachers, and I started uh, putting pictures. Later on, I was thinking I was going to put all the pictures of deacons and all the pictures of the elders, and I realized, you know, John's so much more good-looking than the rest of us, y'all get distracted and just think about him. Uh, actually, I had technical difficulty and uh, couldn't quite hear get everybody there. So it's just Bob and I, well, Marla and Beth, to make sure y'all didn't get uh, have to turn away your eyes. You could at least see something pleasant up there on the screen. But when you think about preachers, when we think about preachers, what do we think about? Now, the, the problem with preachers, problem with preachers, is that it's easy to confuse thinking that we are what the church is all about. Because who do you have to put up with every Sunday generally? Right? We can have different song leaders. You can have different people leading prayers. We'll have different fellows up here leading the Lord's Supper. Have some, you know, all these different roles and, and folks in and out and doing all kinds of things. But the problem is you have to, you're stuck with me. And in fact, if, if you have been here, I was trying to think of uh, uh, some of the kids that have been here the whole time that, that we've been here. If they've grown up with me here all the time and they've heard every, every sermon I've preached here, they've probably heard about a thousand sermons from me. And so you think about that, 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 you know, it's not every Sunday, it's not every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, you know, it's just that that's just part of what goes on because preachers are up front. But the thing about preachers is that primary purpose for a preacher, for a minister in any sense, Paul, we're going to talk a lot about that with Timothy. In Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, it says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. So what's he telling this preacher to do? Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And as we go through and we start looking, what we'll realize is that the main focus for ministers, for preachers, always and ever will be a focus on Getting, talking about the Word, teaching and preaching the Word of God. Uh, earlier in chapter, in chapter 2 of Second Timothy, keep reminding. See, there's that aspect, that talking about. Preach the Word. Remind God's people these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the Word of truth. There it comes again. The focus on the Word of God. Chapter 2, verse 23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, then that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. Do you you hear still again the point about pointing people to the Word of God? Talking about what does God say? 
and, and having that come back over and over and over again. Because ultimately what our goal is, whenever any preacher, anybody that comes up before us in teaching or preaching, the goal is for everybody to be able to look at that and have a change in what goes on. When we go back to our scripture reading in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about that Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists. There's one who proclaims the good news, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service. So ultimately, any preacher is a, is a resource. Any preacher has a goal, not just to lay out the Word of God, but to lay out the Word of God so that everybody who hears grows and, and takes their place within the body and becomes more who God wants to be because the whole point of church isn't the preacher. It's not. The whole point of church is the body and how we serve God together because we can accomplish great things together. And so the focus of a preacher is to help everyone grow through the Word of God. Everyone find their place. Deacons. Now, when you look at deacons, you have to realize, you start looking at that, and do you, do you know how many verses in the Bible talk about deacons? A whole few. I mean, we get Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. There's one. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning verse 8. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must hold the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. He gives the, the qualifications of what somebody does as a deacon, and, and that's it. That's all the verses that talk about, give the word deacon. And so when you think about that, say, okay, we've got deacons. What do they do? I think we've got to go back to Acts chapter 6. doesn't use the word deacon to describe them, but I think they, here we have described what a deacon does. Because in Acts chapter 6, you have a fuss. Some of the widows aren't being taken care of like they should be. And so they come and they talk to the, the apostles about the trouble and getting the widows taken care of. And, they say, and the, the, the apostles say, you know, look. We can help out, but the reality is it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. I think that description describes what a deacon is about. Turn this responsibility over to them. And so the idea of a deacon is somebody who takes care of something that, and, and serves the church. And, and maybe what we ought to go to is what the word itself says, diakonos, or deacon. You can hear how, how we get the English word out of it. The word deacon is the idea of servant, one who serves, one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, a sergeant, attendant, or minister. Here it's talked about as being a servant. It's talking about deacon. Depending on your translation, some may say even minister. But the whole idea is the idea of servant. That we tap somebody on the soldier, said we want soldier shoulder, and ta- and say we need you to take care of this. Would you do that? And, and now there's a phrase. You know, I, I've said the same phrase, and I wonder if it, it makes us miss the point about what deacons are all about, because we can say and and say you know so and so is in charge of. If you want to, if, if you need to have something go on here, so and so is in charge of this. And and the reality is, servants aren't in charge. Servants do what they're sent to do. And, and I wonder if maybe we ought to reframe that. 
maybe I ought to reframe that on my own mind, to think about it from that perspective. Not that in charge of, because in charge of sounds like we've just made a boss, as opposed to appointed a servant. And so what we want to do is to see them as servants, those who take care of something that the church needs take, taken care of. That, uh, you know, when we need some, something done, that they're there to help, help all of us take place in that. If, if, you want to have, if you want to help out by doing something in the building, I'd say, talk to David about that. Because David Pearson. We've got, we got more than one David, don't we? Uh, say, go talk to David Pearson. I imagine he can help you make sure you can do that. But it wouldn't be, well, you've got to get permission from David to do that. It would be, David will help you get it in, in place and, and have a place to serve that way. Or in the sound booth as well. And so we could go through all the deacons like that and remind ourselves that really they're there to help all of us be part of what's going on. That they're there as a, ser- uh, as a servant to be able to give that so that, and a resource to help all of us take place, take part as we go along. Elders. So when you look at elders, what, you know, we have three different terms that would go for them. First Peter chapter 5 covers those. To the elders among you, see the word elders, talking about somebody that's older, not that they're old, but, you know, more mature in faith and, and life. Uh, it says, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. There's another term, shepherds, that is under your care, watching over them. That watching over, the idea of overseer, seer, to, to look there. And so when we talk about elders, we know, like when we get to First Timothy chapter 3, that when we have somebody who's going to be an elder, we said this is the kind of person they need to be. Somebody who is mature in faith. And so when we talk about that, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task, and the no- overseer is to be. And so he's talking about that. Here's the kind of person that needs to help take care of God's church. That idea of providing care for what goes on. And so when we look at that idea that, that mature life and faith is something that's needed in, in their responsibility as they go on. I think because they're primary. If you think about the primary role that an elder has. I know right now they're wrestling with the budget. But that's not the most important thing an elder will do. Any of, any of our elders will do. The most important thing gets pointed back at taking care of something that belongs to somebody else. So in Acts chapter 20, Paul talking to the elders from Ephesus, Ephesus said, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You hear what he says? This is God's church. And elders are there to watch out for what belongs to God, to take care of it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. He, I think he gives a good uh, summary here. It says, Have confidence in your leaders to submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. They, they have to give an account for the souls they watch over on behalf of God. And there's the focus. Because as much as they wrestle with the budget, if they, if they, don't, if they manage to not do things the best way with the budget, that's not going to be the thing that, that God's going to come up and say, oh, you got the wrong colored carpet. What they're going to look at is how well did you take care of the souls that were under your care? The sheep that went astray, how did you do with them? Those who are struggling and those who are hurt, those who are, those who are, that needed your help, were you there for them? And so their responsibility is taking care of the souls here in this church. And, and also, uh, oh, I, I forgot I had James. See that, that care that goes on? It says, any of you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And so that idea of, of somebody who cares is there is a primary focus on, on what the elders are to do, to be there for them. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we go back to the idea of, of the focus. Because in a sense, elders are a resource as well. They're a servant, just like everyone else, to provide for those here. Because when he says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, that's the word shepherd. And so he says shepherds are here to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ will be built up. And so when we look at that, we see all of that come together and know that over and over again, we get some, some, uh, the same theme going out. The idea of being a servant, the idea of being a resource, the idea of helping the body to become who God wants them to be. And we may struggle. Y'all may be going, okay, I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a deacon. I'm not an elder. This one's not for me. Let me come back and, and make sure all of us know there is a part of this that applies to all of us. I mean, you don't have to be a preacher for this to apply to you. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be an elder. But there's something that God shows in these roles that apply to all of us. And part of that is, for one, that when you think about who, who each one is, that there's a theme that God expects of all of them, of all of us. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. When, when God looks at preachers and deacons and elders... The theme that he wants to see come up in, in every one of those folks is the theme of being a servant. Because that's what, he, what matters to him. That's what is most important. He's not looking for somebody to take charge because we have a Lord. We need somebody to be a servant to help all of us to grow. And so the, these roles help all of us to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And that idea of being a servant is, is an important part of it because that's what matters to God, And when we, ha- when we watch Jesus and we, when he lives out his life, we see that aspect of things. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, uh, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross. He says, for all of us to become like Christ in humility and to be humble and to, and to, to serve those around us, that we have that attitude that Christ had. And so when we think about preachers and deacons and elders, that we, what we look for is we want those folks to echo that same sentiment in everything. To be servants. Because then we look at them and and we realize that's what God wants for all of us. For all of us to have that attitude of humility. For all of us to have that attitude of service. That we're there for each other and we're there for what God has in mind and not for ourselves. And so the the thing is, you know, I was uh, years ago. My goodness, it's been decades. I don't even know where this fellow is anymore. There was was a fellow who was just learning how to preach years and years ago. And... uh, uh, he had a favorite preacher, a good, a good preacher. And I could probably call his name and some of y'all would know the, the preacher I'm talking about. But this young man started to imitate the more experienced preacher. 
And so if you ever heard the young man preach when he first started out, he would use the same kind of illustrations. He would sound the same way. He did everything the same as this other preacher. In fact, you know, to me, it was like, oh, I get to hear a rerun of the same, almost the same sermon of what goes on because he would go to youth events when we would take the youth around there. And so we, you would walk away thinking about this other preacher more than the one who was speaking. And I, and I think for, for us, for everybody, what God wants to have in mind is that he wants everybody to become like Jesus, to be servants, to have a heart like Jesus. And, and part of that means that ultimately what, what happens is that, you know, of the, if you've been here all, for the whole time I've been here and you've heard all my sermons and you could count and, and know that you've heard a thousand sermons, you know what matters isn't that you remember any of those sermons. Y'all know that? It doesn't even matter if you remember me. What God wants to have happen is that you walk away knowing Christ even more. Because eventually, I'm, I'm, I, I can only live so long in this world. But Christ will always be at the center of who we are. And so we want to become like Christ in every way. Jesus says, the student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. That we want to show ourselves to be so much like Christ that when people see us, when they hear a preacher and they hear anybody teach, when they see a deacon and what they're doing, when they see the elders, that they walk away not thinking, oh, that's a really great guy. He's doing good stuff. It's the, you know, that's so much like Jesus. And they may not remember our names or who we are, but if they remember Jesus, we've done just what needs to be. And that we, that we become more and more like Christ, all of us together. So that all of us, if we see the crowd, we see the people around us, that like Jesus, we would have compassion. That we would want to be there for them. And whatever needs to be. I think the struggle for us is to remember. Sometimes in church, if we're not careful, we feel like we're the odd duck. Y'all ever felt like that? And the thing about being the odd duck is you don't feel like you really fit in or belong. And so you, you, it's easy for us to say, well, I can't stand in front of everybody and talk. That doesn't mean you don't belong. Well, I can't do this or I can't. Well, that doesn't mean you belong. But you know what's true is that God has placed you in the body to do what you are able to do. That only you are able to do. The opportunity and talent that you have matters and that you have a place in this body. And part of what needs to happen is that when I'm up here talking, when Bob's up here talking, when the deacons are working in the body, that when the elders are there, that we're all working together so that you have your place to serve in the body so that you know you belong. Because in Christ, in Christ, every one of you belongs. In Christ, you matter. And because of that, we have to remember that we don't exclude that in Christ we bring everybody in. That in Christ we want everybody to have that place to serve and to grow and become who Jesus wants to be because together we can do amazing things. All of us together can make a difference in each other's lives.
in this community and in this world so that God is glorified? Do you need to repent for excluding anybody? Treating them like they don't belong? Today you may need to surrender to Christ to put, on, put Him on baptism. But whatever, whatever you need, would you come down as we stand and sing?